Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast Series. Each week we'll be streaming our sermon from within the sanctuary just for you. My name is Sherry Hawkins, and I'm a sinner saved by grace. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Our scripture today is from Matthew. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You know, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are people who love to make lists, and there's the people that end up on them, right? I I, I love to make lists. I am a list maker. If you've been in my office, you know that I love sticky notes. They are awesome for list making. It's like little tiny color-coded lists that you can put anywhere you want to. This summer is here, which means I am going into high gear list making mode. I'm going to have all kinds of lists for my kids. In fact, I might as well, if you don't mind, I get started right now because this is going to take me some time. But, you know, because it's summer and there's not as much structure in the day, I end up making these lists and I leave them all over the house. Um, conveniently in places where my family will find them. So we've got lists about screen time and what they have to do before they have earned their screen time. Brad, is that okay if I just, that's a great spot for a list. People will see it. They'll notice it. They'll stop. We've got screen time lists. Um, We're going to have, oh, we're going to have chores. You know we're going to have a list of chores. Every kid needs a list of chores in the summertime. I'm going to end up tripping if I try to do that. So we'll have a list of chores this summer. Um, We're definitely going to have a list of snack items that are approved and unapproved. Uh, We leave those lists all around. We're going to have lists of fun ideas of activities for things for the kids to do. Some of them will be educational and some of them will not, but none of them will be messy. Um... (laughs) 
we are, we are just going to make all kinds of lists. And, and there's also, of course, going to be a list of home improvement projects. And uh, babe, I'm just going to leave that one right there. There you go. Definitely have that list, you know, just in your free time when you get to it. Um, I, I, I put lists all over the house of just things that I need to remember, grocery shopping lists. I've got lists uh, about phone calls that I need to make. Oh, there's so many of those. Although these days we send text messages, not phone calls. Um, lists, of, lists of books that I need to read. Oh, there's so many books that I need to read. There's so many of them. And so as the summer grows, these sticky note lists, they will just slowly collect all over the house. It will be quite a scene in our house as there's just sticky notes on the refrigerator, on the bathroom mirror, uh, sticky notes in the hallway. I love sticky notes. You, you can rearrange them and move them places. You can make sure that the right people see the note that you want to see the note. I love sticky note lists. And, and lists can be a wonderful thing. They can help give order and structure to the summer so that we do not lose our minds over the next two months. Parents said amen, right? They can give order and structure, but they can also become your downfall. Because once you put it on a list, now you've got that list staring back at you, reminding you of all the ways you've fallen short, right? So our summer lists, I'll be honest, they start off really well-intentioned. They usually devolve as the summer goes on. And it is the grace of God that those sticky notes lose their adhesive as the summer goes on. And they slowly fall to the floor, and we do our best. Lists can be helpful. They can also be our downfall. Because, you know, I, I make other kind of lists, too, if I'm being really honest. I make all kinds of lists, sure, like things that I actually write down. But in my mind, there is always this running trail of lists. I've got lists of people that I can trust. And I've got lists of people that I cannot trust. I keep those kind of lists, you know. I, I keep lists of things that I've uh, sacrificed. And I keep lists of the people that I need to remind about just how much I've sacrificed. I keep lists of folks who have hurt me. I keep lists of uh, ways that I need to improve, things that I want to get better at. It's just kind of a running list in my head all the time. I keep lists of things that people owe me. Anybody keep that you owe me list instead of an IOU list? I mean, I, I keep all kinds of, of lists. I don't know what kind of lists you keep running through your mind, but mine can add up pretty quickly and get scattered throughout my office and throughout my home and throughout my heart and throughout my mind. I make a lot of lists. Step eight only asks us to make one list. So I should really like this step. This should be my favorite of the steps. You know, if you've been with us in the series or if you hadn't, I'm just going to catch you up. Step one in this 12-step recovery, and, and the 12 steps, they're a list. This is why I love this sermon series. It is 12, a list of things to follow. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over our sin, that our lives had become unmanageable. 
Step two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Step four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And step seven, Pastor Steve preached last week. Didn't he do an incredible job? Asked humbly, or humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Pastor Steve, thank you for your word about humility and for the way that you demonstrate it in your life every day. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Really good. And then today we get to step eight. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Now, I love to make lists. This is not one of the lists that I want to make. Of all the lists that I could make, this is not one that I would like to make. Not only do I not want to have to sit and actually write this list out, I don't want to leave it lying around where somebody might see it. I don't want to make this list at all. This is a hard list to make. I like making lists that make me feel in control, not lists that make me feel my own powerlessness. This is not a list that I want to make. You know, the first list that I have found in Scripture that, that I can see is the list of the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. You all familiar with the Ten Commandments? That, that first list that we're given, it's a list of things that God asks of the Israelites when he meets with Moses on Mount Sinai. And after their wilderness wanderings, God tells them this in Exodus 19. If you obey my voice, and keep my covenant. You shall be my treasured possession out of all people. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you, you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. What a gift. You might have noticed that God doesn't actually call these things the Ten Commandments. These are, these are the things that happen when you obey God's voice and keep God's covenant. These things are the things that it looks like when you are God's treasured possession, living as a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. In fact, nowhere in Scripture does God say, these are the Ten Commandments, here's my list. There's no numbering anywhere there in the book of Exodus. We put the numbers in because we really like making lists. In fact, I first learned the Ten Commandments when I was in a children's musical in church uh, to a song called The Perfect Ten. It begins, number one, we've just begun. God should be first in your life. Do you want to hear the rest? Yes. Not a chance. <laughs> it is not happening. It's this real cute way to like number and rhyme all of the Ten Commandments, right? And so that was how I learned the Ten Commandments, through this cute little song. But in Exodus, God doesn't number them for us. In fact, God doesn't even call these the Ten Commandments. You could say, God just says, obey my voice and keep my covenant. But having a title of 
the things God said and later wrote on stone about obeying God's voice and keeping a covenantal relationship, which happened to add up to 10 things, that's not real catchy. <laughs> that's harder to remember. This list is a really basic snapshot of what it looks like to keep covenant with God. It is the essentials. No frills, just the essentials. And number six in that list is you shall not murder. Or as, as I learned it, it was number six, don't get your kicks from killing one another, right? You'll remember that. You will remember that that is number six. It's helpful. Number six in, in the book of Exodus, it doesn't say number six. It just says you shall not murder. There's no numbering. There's also no explanation. There's no definition of what murder is or isn't or how many degrees there are or how you're found out to be guilty of it. It just says don't do it. You shall not murder. No explanation, just really simple. If you obey the voice of God and keep covenant with God, you're not going to kill anybody. Now, ten really basic things that God asks of these people who obey God's voice and keep God's covenant. But, as we tend to do, the list gets longer over time. Even as you read throughout Scripture, the lists get longer and longer. There become lists about how much of your mint you are supposed to trim and bring to the temple for your tithes and offerings. There's lists about the way that one is not supposed to trim the hairs around their temples. There's lists about not trimming your beard. There's all kinds of lists, a lot about trimming, interestingly. <laughs> I think Pastor Jordan just getting real biblical these days. I just, I love it. So much like Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the list, they just get longer and longer and longer. In fact, they get so long that it becomes really hard to keep track and it's very hard for people to follow all of the rules on the list. In fact, sometimes it takes so much energy to just keep track of all of the lists and make sure that you've got them organized properly and to figure out who's followed that one and who hasn't followed. And so we, we put so much energy into maintaining the lists. And more and more of our energy is expended, they become a burden. Less about listening to the voice of God and keeping covenantal relationship with God and more about following rules and keeping lists. See, Jesus would later summarize the whole of the law and the prophets with just a list of two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, so Jesus never had to say, you shall not murder. Not because he's taking it off the list and saying this doesn't matter anymore, but because if you are so in love with God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor like you love your own good self, I don't think you have to worry about murdering your neighbor. And so I think that Jesus is speaking to the list makers in Matthew chapter 5. I think he is talking directly to the list makers when he is, says, you heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. He says, remember that one? Number six on the list. 
You shall not murder, and anyone who murders is subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Whew. Now, you shall not murder. That's pretty basic to any society out there. People don't let other people murder each other and just go on their merry way. This is a, a great commandment to have on the list because when you've got something like, okay, don't murder, guess what? Check. Woo, I feel good about that list. I, I can tell you quite, I have never murdered anyone. But uh, do not be angry with a brother or a sister. Man, have you met my sisters? <laughs> do, and then he goes on to say, if you call anyone a fool, I mean, that's, that's hard. I mean, that, goodness, Jesus, you are moving the goalposts on me. That list just got a lot harder. It, man, I don't know that I want to have to follow that list. You know, for all of us list makers out there, it might feel like Jesus just kind of pulled a fast one on us. Like it was, we were keeping track of all the lists. We knew what to do and what not to do, how to be a good girl or a good boy. And it feels like the rules just kind of changed mid-game. In fact, Jesus even messes with sacrifices. Because sacrifices, that's, that was one of the good things to do, you know? sacrifice. Make my sacrifices. Got it. Well, let's say you were on your way to the temple to make your sacrifice, and while you're headed there, you remember that someone has something against you. You've, you've harmed someone. Well, but I was, I was just about to make my sacrifice. That's a good thing to do. That, that puts me on the good list, but then Jesus says, stop. Don't even do that until you have gone and reconciled. Man, I thought it was good enough to just bring a sacrifice, Jesus. Now you're moving the goalposts once again. Stop it. It's easy for list makers like me to assume that when Jesus says these things in Matthew chapter 5, that he's just adding more items to an already really long list. It's easy to think that he's just giving me another hoop to jump through, but as I continue to read down to his words, like the reason what it all boils down to for him, starting at verse 25, he says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid every last penny. Jesus' concern is for our freedom, that we will not be in bondage, that we will not be imprisoned. Although I, I read that and I hear settle matters quickly, and my first response is, whoa, Jesus, settle matters quickly? Do you know how long it's going to take me to get through all of these lists? I mean, no, no, no. If, if someone has something against me, that's fine. They can bring it, but I'm going to read my list of charges for them first. 
I mean, you got something against me, I understand, but you really need to understand that this was your fault to begin with. Like you started this, so if you're going to read my list, well, I've I've got a list for you somewhere in here, and and it is not going to be quick, so let me take a minute to, to find it. But Jesus says, no, settle matters quickly. Don't haggle over the tit for tat, who did what and when it happened. Don't do any of that. Settle matters quickly or you will be in bondage. Your lists are just going to weigh you down and pretty soon you're going to be thrown in prison. Don't do it. Jesus is saying don't focus on your list and who hurt you. Don't let it pile up. Settle it quickly and be free. The Narcotics Anonymous Blue Book says it like this. Our purpose in step eight is to achieve freedom from the guilt that we have carried. We want to look the world in the eye with neither aggressiveness nor fear. It works. It works. That that's the purpose of this step is not to make you feel like a bad person when you see this list, but to actually free you from the guilt and shame that you carry, looking back in the face of the world with neither aggressiveness nor fear. Now, I know that making a list like this, making a list of the people that you've harmed, it sounds awful. And I did it this last week, so I can tell you it is. probably not what I'm supposed to say as a preacher. It's really hard to sit down and make a list of the people that you've hurt. And I know it it sounds really awful, but I think it also teaches us to have a different relationship with all of our other lists. It teaches us to change our relationship with list making. Perhaps because when we are making a list of people we have harmed, we aren't as busy with the lists of all the ways that people have harmed us and the things that we feel like are, are unfair. And when we're focused on the list that we've got to make, it changes our relationship with all the rest. When you start to make this list, it might make you want to call in sick. I want to get real practical for a minute because I hope that many of you this week will sit down and write this list down. A list of people that you've harmed and become willing to make amends. Now, don't let the amends part hang you up. I will say, I noticed that as I was making my list. You get to a name and you think, I don't even know how I could make amends with that person. Don't let that hang you up. Just put the name on the list. Next week... Pastor Rebecca Bailey is going to come and she's going to be preaching on the next step that's all about making amends. She's a trained counselor, just wonderfully brilliant, has worked in recovery for years and years. She has some really rich stuff to teach us about the process of making amends. So don't stress about the next step. Just focus on this one, right? Living one day at a time, each moment at a time, okay? But to get really practical, I think we also have to define what we mean by harm. Well, Well, who have I harmed, right? I haven't murdered anybody. Well, I think the definition of harm that I've sort of compiled from a lot of different stuff that I've read about step eight over the last couple of weeks would define harm in this way. Words, actions, or inactions that caused pain, suffering, or loss. 
either intentionally or unintentionally. <sighs> that could be a long list. When you start to make this list, I'm telling you, it is, I, I know, you're going to want to call in sick. You might even find yourself rationalizing every time you go to put a name down. Well, you know, I, this person actually started it. They harmed me in this way, but, but guess what? They can make their own list. That's theirs to do. Right now, you just focus on what is yours to do. I think it changes the relationship we have with our lists. It changes the relationships with all the sticky notes, not just on my desk, but the ones in my brain and in my heart. Step eight is teaching us to have a different relationship with lists, to not be so quick to put somebody on your bad list after you've had to make the list of all the people that you have harmed. Step eight rearranges our relationship with lists, and it helps us do the work of being able to separate between what was done to us and what we have done to others to be able to see that in separate terms. Step eight is ruthless because it only lets us look at what we have done. My kids have been in musical theater for the last couple of years. And one of the things that one of their directors says to them, whenever they try to give notes to other actors in the play, the director will just stop them by saying the line, mind your own lines. And it's a way of saying, hey, listen, those are their lines to manage. You have your own lines. Mind your own lines. And as soon as students start critiquing one another, trying to direct each other, as soon as she says, mind your own lines, it's settled, right? Because you know what is yours to do and what is not. And we really can't mind someone else's lines even if we wanted to. We call this a pathway to freedom. And it is. Because the more we hold on to our lists of who hurt us and who owes us what and who treated us unfairly and refuse to see how we have hurt others, we stay in bondage. We stay trapped and we miss out on the freedom that Christ has for us. I think Jesus is reminding us that God was never trying to make lists of who's naughty and who's nice. God is not Santa Claus, in other words, right? It's not even that God was making a list of 10 things. These are, these are the 10 things that look like people who hear God's voice and who are in a covenantal relationship with God. In the Church of the Nazarene, we have an interesting relationship with lists. The movement of the people called Nazarenes began over 100 years ago, and it was a group of people who experienced transformation that comes from being in this covenantal relationship with God. How the Holy Spirit changed their hearts and lives. And, and, and when they were so filled with the love of God, it began to change the things that they did and desired and the way they spent their time and the way they served others. It changed everything. And, and as they were seeing their lives changed, families were changed and neighborhoods were changed and communities were changed. Places that once were like walking through a valley of shadow of death were now alive and thriving and flourishing because the Holy Spirit was giving people ears to hear the voice of God and knitting, uniting people in a covenantal relationship with God. They were looking like this kingdom of priests, like a holy nation. And so we call ourselves a holiness people. 
It's a really good term for us. And then we started making lists. We started making lists of things that we noticed that, that people who were living this holiness life did and did not do. And these lists began as a really helpful thing. Those lists began as a way to say, hey, this is what a holy life can look like. This is what it looks like to obey God's voice and to live in a covenantal relationship with God. And it was especially helpful for people who are brand new to this following Jesus thing, like walking right out of the valley of the shadow of death, people who were barely holding on and had no idea what life in Christ was supposed to look like. These lists were a really helpful thing. And over time, they did help some people learn what it looks like to have life in Christ. But at some points in our history, I think it'd be fair to say that we got so caught up in managing our own lists that we stopped taking notice of the people we were hurting. This week, there are going to be Nazarenes from all over the world in Indianapolis, Indiana. Did you know that Indianapolis, Indiana apparently is the new Jerusalem? I mean, it's, <laughs> we've got clapping for Indianapolis, Indiana. But it is, it is going to be like holy ground this next week. I've been going to General Assembly since I was a very little girl. And when you gather with brothers and sisters in Christ from around the world pray in different languages and, and sing in all kinds of different languages and get to, it is, it is holy ground. I mean, something really special and incredible happens. And part of the work that we've been asked to do is to pray and worship and talk and discern and make some decisions about our lists that we keep. And we're even going to vote on some lists and it is a good and right thing to do, part of the work of the church, because it helps us to train our ear and to hear the voice of God and to keep covenant with God. But we also need to be in prayer for the Church of the Nazarene, because as we do that work of discernment, we must not let our lists cause us to lose sight of hearing God's voice, keeping covenant with God and even to mind our own lists, to be honest about the people that we have hurt. You see, I knew a man named Joe. He didn't grow up in Nazarene. He was, in fact, raised by a father who had literally broken all ten commandments. And so having grown up in a home that was utter chaos, he decided that he was not going to be anything like his father. He was going to live a life completely different than his dad. And so he got married to a Nazarene preacher's daughter. Good idea. He got married to a Nazarene preacher's daughter, and he was going to live a totally different life. They had a couple of kids, and, and they began their life together. Well, the years moved on, and, and it turns out that even though he hadn't broken all ten of the commandments, life was still really tough. Life was really tough, and, and their family life was rocky. And after the kids were old enough to move out of the house, they, they called the grown kids back, mom and dad, and sat them down and said, hey, listen, uh, <laughs> we did all right by you guys. You're going to be okay. You're all grown up. But mom and dad and I, we are calling it splits. We just, we can't do it anymore. 
And, and they came to learn that, that even though mom and dad hadn't broken all ten of the commandments, they were keeping a lot of lists for one another. In fact, both of them had all kinds of lists of the ways that the other one had done them wrong and, and all kinds of things that, that should have been addressed and things that were not fair. And they had been keeping these lists for years and years and the family life had been tense, and, and there was struggle there, and the kids had felt it all growing up, but finally they named it, and they said, hey, listen, we got you guys up and out of the house, and, and we're done. And in that conversation, those adult children just begged them, would you try one more thing that you haven't tried just yet? Will you come and be a part of this Nazarene church, and and get really serious about something called prayer and surrender. For some crazy reason, let's call it the grace of God. That couple said, all right, we'll give it one more shot. And they became really invested in this Nazarene church. And in the process, they... It just transformed their prayer life and their study life. They began praying together. They, they began learning and practicing this thing called surrender. And it didn't happen overnight. It actually happened over years and years of prayer and surrender. Learning a different relationship with those lists. Learning be, that just because they hadn't broken the Ten Commandments didn't mean that they hadn't hurt each other. That they hadn't hurt other people. They learned how to admit that, how to admit when they were wrong, and how to say they were sorry, become willing to make amends. And over years and years of living in the grace of God, they were transformed. Joe was transformed into a man with a gentle spirit who was quick to forgive, quick to let go of his own lists and to love other people, settling things quickly. He experienced something that we call in the Church of the Nazarene, sanctification. It's when the Holy Spirit does a work in your heart. You receive the grace of God that makes you more like Jesus. He experienced it. He lived it. He was a living witness. And he is a big part of the reason that I am one of the people called a Nazarene today. I have seen his story and I have lived his story. I've seen the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in my lives and in the lives of others. Step eight is inviting you to take a step toward freedom. It's not just about making a list to make you feel bad. <laughs> making a list of people that you had hurt so that you just have one more chance to experience a little bit of guilt and shame. No, it's actually about freeing you from that guilt and shame. Step eight is inviting you to take a step toward freedom from the hurt that you have caused others. Is anybody ready to take that step this morning? Are you ready to take ownership of your own lines? <laughs> what is yours to do? To train your ear to listen for God's voice and to keep covenant with God. To live this life as a part of a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Remember that this list is about freedom, not about guilt and shame so that you might be free from the weight of guilt and shame. So I want to invite you this morning, settle matters quickly. 
If God's speaking you, to you about something, somebody that you have harmed, a way that you've hurt someone else, don't haggle. <laughs> don't waste time with the tit, don't, tit for tat. Don't bring all of your list to God and say, oh, but Lord, actually, don't haggle. Don't waste too much time. Settle matters quickly. In fact, as we come before the Lord in prayer today, maybe, maybe some of you just need to gather up your lists. Bring your own lists down to the altar. Bring your lists here to get ready to let God help you write a new one. I just wonder if, if maybe you need to come and Leave some lists that you've been keeping at a place that historically has been where we have surrendered to the Lord. Let things go. <laughs> Told God, here, this can be in your hands. It is too heavy for me. Maybe you want to come and leave your lists. Maybe you need to come because God's impressed upon your heart the way that you've hurt others. You need to ask the Lord to help you be willing to make amends. If you'd like a pastor to pray with you, find your way to one of the far altars. We've got pastors that are ready to, to pray with you this morning for any reason. But if you'd also like to come to one of the inner altars here where you can just have some time in prayer, you're welcome to do that too. I'm also going to ask that if you're a delegate this next week to General Assembly, to, uh, to the General Assembly, to the Sunday School Discipleship Ministry, uh, Nazarene Missions International, or, or Nazarene Youth International, if you're a delegate over the next couple of weeks, would you come to one of these altars over here that we could just pray for the work that God is going to be doing in Indianapolis, Indiana this next week? For whatever reason, you might need to come before the Lord today. Asking God to help you and all of your list making. <laughs> or asking that God would help the church of the Nazarene as we do the work that's required to be kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a holy people before God. Would you come? Pastor Tim's going to pray with us, and I'm going to join the delegates over here. If you'd like to join in prayer, would you come and find a place? Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us on campus next week, we have discipleship classes beginning at 9 a.m. followed by service at 10.30. That service will be streamed to Facebook Live. We hope to see you there.